Well, hello, this is Talking Dogs. It's lovely to have you here. My name's Graham Hall, although I go by the dog father too because I've spent well over a decade helping people train their dogs. You might have caught me on telly's dogs behaving very badly. And, well, I'm afraid you can't get away from me now because here I am sharing all my wisdom on this podcast. I get how incredibly frustrating and often heartbreaking it can be when you feel you've got a dog problem that you you don't understand or you don't know how to solve. So I'm here to give you some advice to put you at ease and who knows, maybe even make you laugh in the process. Something I hear a lot is, my dog's such an angel, the sweetest, calmest little thing, until, and that until is often, until she starts guarding something, uh, a cushion, the remote control. It doesn't really matter what it is, um, I'll come back to that, but the point is, is once the dog's got it in in her mouth and, and she's around the item, they immediately switch from angel to devil. Erin's been in touch because she knows this all too well. Hi Graham, we have a two-year-old cockapoo, Jude, Um, usually a really lovely dog, really friendly nature, very calm around all the family members. However, occasionally she does like to guard items around the house. These are really random items and they can be located anywhere in the house. When she's decided she's guarding it, she does become very, very vicious. It's like a red mist comes over her and there's no getting that item off of her. Uh, she can sit on it for a, quite a few hours. So you can imagine it's quite a struggle sometimes. And we have two children in the house who are under 10. So we do worry that if she does want to attack when she's got something, that something could happen to them. All other times she is as nice as pie, but... And when she's guarding, she becomes really, really vicious. Um, She bars her teeth, she snarls, and occasionally she does try to bite. She's bitten my sister twice in the past. The items can be very random from a T-shirt that one of the boys has left on a chair to a random box in the living room or in the garden. We just can never pick what she's going to decide to guard. If there's anything else you could suggest and any advice or anything you're happy to share, it would be a really, really great help. Thank you, Graham. Thanks for getting in touch, uh, Aaron. Um, Hey, Jude. Um, (laughs) I couldn't help myself. I had to do that, didn't I? Well, listen, uh, I'm going to give you some practical advice for you in a moment, but I do want to start talking by uh, explaining what we mean when we're we're referring to resource guarding. So we're all on the same page. Resource guarding is the the phrase that we've, I think we've all coined now really for a dog taking something, a resource, something that they perceive to be valuable for whatever reason and then guarding it from anybody else and of course it it often starts with other dogs although lots of households have only got one one dog but you know that classic moment where uh, a dog's got something in in their mouth they're hunkered down they've probably got their paws around the front doing that you're not coming near me keep away from me and if you really push your look they'll they'll come out fighting they'll they'll be aggressive they'll some dogs will do anything including bite you 
uh, in order to keep that resource that they're uh, that they're guarding. So that's resource guarding. Now, Aaron, there's something really interesting in your voice note. I'm, I'm actually not surprised that the dog in question here is is a cockapoo. There's often a genetic element to resource guarding. I've found, and a lot of spaniels seem to do it. Uh, I see it quite a bit in in, in cockers. They do it in the way they play as well. Um, sometimes they'll. Um, just yesterday, I was playing with a, with a cocker spaniel, and she was bringing a tennis ball to me, dropping it in front of me, going go on. Going, you know what to do as soon as you put your hand down to, to pick it up she's like no i'm having it first so she, she taunt me and sure enough her, her, her mouth was quicker than my hand i did once read that a, a dog can move their mouth four times faster than you can move your hand out of the way i don't know the science behind it but i'm inclined to believe that well in this case yesterday it was all fun it was just a bit of fun it's like you know i'll let you pick it up and throw it for me when it suits me and the rest of the time i'm just going to go ah gotcha but you can see how that can can sort of transform itself into i've got this you're not having it so some dogs were just sort of born with that in them to some extent so it's entirely possible that you haven't done anything wrong you haven't been a bad parent but nonetheless you've got a problem but where does it originate how, how does a dog learn that they can resource guard well I, I think sometimes as a younger dog it starts as an attention seeking thing the item itself doesn't mean that much to them but they've made a connection if i've got this remote control slippers specs I've got you. I've got your attention. So they, they nick something. Almost always show you that they've got it. It's like, look, ha-ha. And then off they go. And it's like the Keystone Cops, you know. And off they go, running around the house. You go chase them. It's just the best fun in the world. And then one day, it goes a bit wrong. They back themselves into a corner, which is quite often where a dog's bed is. They've got the thing that they're resource guarding. You go to take it off them. They get a bit scared fight and flight we talked about that in a previous in a previous podcast and they have a pop they come out fighting you know they threaten you you then back off understandably quite shocking the first time it happens dog then makes the connection ah, hang on a minute so if i get this and i want to keep hold of it and you scare me if i'm nasty that works in my favor and that's the origins of resource guarding very often so just like the cocker spaniel I was playing with yesterday, where she was bringing me, in this case, the tennis ball, and then sort of doing the chase me thing, they'll do that with resource guarding. They'll bring you something that they've stolen, and you've perhaps seen this before, and I think, oh, I might be in trouble here. But it looks for all the world like they're saying, look, I've got this thing. And if you start to take it off them, then they, it triggers that fear, aggression response, and they come back at you. So, so don't fall for that. In many, many cases of resource guarding, the dog's actually not destroying the thing that, that they've got in their mouth. Um, if you really watch and look at what they're doing, they're often holding it in quite a soft way, but not really chomping down on it. That's actually good news. It means that you've got a bit of time to do something. So for those of you who've watched me on the telly on dogs behaving very badly, um, there was a dog called Wilson who was a bulldog uh, in Leeds, and he was... Uh, he, amongst other things, he was stealing things. And then I twigged that as soon as um, the, the lady, Nicola, who, who was the owner, went towards him, he'd growl. But he wasn't actually doing any damage. At one point when I was there, he stole some sunglasses, quite expensive sunglasses, I think. And as she went towards him, he was threatening to crunch down on them, got her to back off and watched and watched and watched. And 
he wasn't actually doing anything with the sunglasses. So I set my, my stall out really to get those sunglasses back. And you might even remember the scene where I ended up walking back in, back towards with the sunglasses on going, ta-da, look. And there wasn't a single scratch on them. We got there by taking our time. So if you watch carefully, the assumption is always, oh my God, I've got to get that back off him because he's going to you know, damage it, stroke, hurt himself, of course. Often... Uh, that's just not the case. So you've got time. What are you going to do with that time? That's the question. In order to really make the point that we were just ignoring him, we, we got a couple of uh, big books sat on the sofa as Wilson was, was guarding his specs, his sunglasses, and just paid him no attention at all. We chatted to each other occasionally, but we made a point of looking looking at these books and then occasionally looking out and seeing what he was doing. And what I started to do was occasionally he would put them on the floor instead of in his mouth. Um, well, that's the stage in the right direction. So every time he did that, I would go, good boy, Wilson. Now, occasionally, that was enough for him to go, Rrr, and he'd pick him up again. <laughs> Think, oh, here we go again, more time required. And as time went on, he was leaving him on the ground quite a lot. And then the magic moment, you can almost feel it come in as he's just getting completely disinterested with them. Uh, and then he walked away. <laughs> he took one step, then another, and another. It's like, oh, fantastic. Now, when that happens, your instinct is to rush to go and pick him up. If you rush, he's going to beat you to it, and you're right back to square one. You're in it for another half an hour. So it was a case of just waiting. for He, he actually toddled off into the kitchen, uh, and then I just stood up, walked away, walked over and picked them up, and that was that. By which time, actually, Nicola had left the room. She got fed up, and I think she was in the garden when I reappeared and went, hey, look what I've got. So it's very much about just not giving him that oxygen of, of of attention that he wanted but rewarding him very gently with praise when he's taking a step in the right direction and wait honestly you you the best thing you can do in a situation like that is is keep time on your side So going back to something I said before, which resource guarding is often connected to this sort of fear backed in the corner and coming out fighting kind of feeling, even if they're not physically in a corner, it figures that if you use your time, they're going to get fed up. Because remember, this is all based in attention seeking. So there's a few things that we need to just slot together here into a plan. So he's nicked it because he's attention seeking, but then we've got this supercharged sort of attention seeking behavior that's linked to coming forward and being aggressive. If we push him, he's going to do that uh, and it's potentially hurt us and clamp down on the thing that could damage it and damage himself. But if we take our time and just stand there in a standoff and wait, and when I say wait, sometimes this can be, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It took that long with Wilson. Often they just they just give up. And if you do that every time, you're beginning to rewrite the programme. There's no point nicking things anymore for attention and getting myself in this, this terrible two and eight because it just doesn't work. I just don't get attention. So nine times out of ten, that's an option. It requires a bit of patience, but nobody gets hurt. In a nutshell, what I'm saying is in cases of resource guarding, don't take the fight to the dog. There are also a lot of cases of resource guarding where I just think it's it, it, the dog's really running the household, you know, the kind of thing. We, we can talk about leadership in a in another episode of this podcast, but, but for now I just think it's worth flagging up that, you know, this isn't a dog being dominant and, 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 you know, trying to take over the world, but it could well be a dog that just doesn't want to listen to you when you when you talk to them. And it's no good screaming and shouting. You've already lost control. The best thing you can do is think with your head and take your time. 
Thinking about Jude, I've got another story about a cockapoo, and it's the most extreme example of, of, of resource guarding that I've come across. I went to somebody's house, and uh, he, he would steal things and go on to his safe place, which was the corner of the sofa. And again, he, he wasn't chomping down on things, but he would steal things that were be sharp like scissors or, or whatever. But in, in this house, right next to the sofa, there was a kind of rickety old uh, wooden box on uh, on these spindly legs. And I wonder what it was. Uh, and I found out soon enough, because he, he, he actually knocked it as he got off the sofa at one point. It crashed onto the floor, burst open, and it was an old sewing box. And it was full of, you know, all those bits of haberdashery that you, you, you have in them, including a packet of needles, which he seized on and went back into his resource guarding place on the sofa. As soon as he went back to the sofa with that packet of needles, I knew I was in big trouble uh, because one false move and, you know, clearly, potentially, you know, he was going to be going to the vets. Um, and if he swallowed them, he might, he might not even survive and I would be responsible. I was there. I realised that he wasn't actually, thank goodness, jumping down on that packet of needles. It took me over half an hour to get to the point where he actually dropped them and moved away. We actually encouraged him into the kitchen because it was, it was lunchtime and that was kind of... Of, kind of wrong because it's sort of bribing him but there are there are times when it's a real emergency that frankly you would do anything to save the dog's life but the other one which is kind of obvious really is prevention's better than cure you really don't want that rickety sewing box right next to the sofa where your dog has a habit of resource guarding it's kind of obvious to say after the event isn't it but there's the thing if you've got a resource guarding problem think in advance what you can do to sort of reduce their opportunity to, to do it. And if you've got children in the house, you know, which was the case here, you know, a couple of uh, under 10s, think about the message to the children, you know, if the dog does that, don't go near them, don't try and take things off them, don't bother them when they're in the bed, which ordinarily wouldn't necessarily be my advice, but in a case of resource guarding, it's safety first. We can't explain to little ones, you know, how you do all this stuff. So, you know, just teach them to leave the dog alone when they do it. It's down to the adults, really. As Zara's dog has has bitten before, so that changes things. It really does mean we've got to be very careful. And I'm interested, Zara, that it's your sister that's been bitten twice. Uh, and I'm assuming from the way you're saying it that nobody else has been. What is it that your sister's doing that's, that's different, I wonder? Is she the one who's rushing forward and, you know, is she a bit braver than everybody else trying to take the thing off the dog? Or, or is it the other way? Is it that she's perceived by the dog as a bit of a lightweight and your dog's kind of been a bit of a schoolgirl bully, you know? That's interesting. There'll be a reason for sure why your sister's getting it and nobody else. Sometimes dogs will growl uh, or snarl, show their teeth, and they never get to the point where they're, they're going to bite. It just depends from dog to dog, but it's just worth you know remembering that you know dogs can't talk, of course. They can't say, look, I'm being uncomfortable. You're making me uncomfortable what you're doing. Please back off. Please give me space. But that's what all of those signals are, in effect. Um, it's just worth remembering that. Generally speaking, um, I would never be trading a, a treat or another toy for the thing that they've they've resource guarded because you can be rewarding the wrong behaviour again. The dog starts to think, if I if I steal your spectacles, stroke TV remote, slippers, whatever, uh, and go over here, something better comes along, right? Food or my favourite toy or whatever it is. Uh, the more you do it, the more you can be rewarding that behaviour. There are exceptions, of course, uh, and in, in the case of, you know, 
uh, a dog who's about to do themselves some harm and they really are chomping down on something and, and taking your time isn't an option. It's an emergency. And, you know, really you should do whatever you can to save that dog's life, frankly. But as a rule of thumb, don't reward the wrong behaviour. We've been talking about resource guarding and fixing a problem that's already there, but you'll often hear me talking about prevention being better than cure. Now, I'm about to put myself out of business here, of course. If you can teach a puppy to let go of things on command, then so much the better. You really want a let go command, whether it's drop or out. Dead is one that, that gun dog trainers often use. I say out. I quite like it. it. Sounds like a bark. But if you train that as a young puppy and really ingrain it, it's there. It's like an automatic response. Uh, I've always done that with my dogs. And uh, the two Rottweilers that I used to have, Axel and Gordon, would drop things like a shot. It was really quite impressive, but it takes lots and lots of training. We'll talk about uh, training puppies and how to get the right sort of behaviours for the rest of their life in another podcast. Make no mistake, resource guarding isn't, it's not easy. And frankly, it's not something I look forward to working with, but it makes such a big difference when you can get it right. It often takes, you know, a professional to get the right result, whether that's a, a dog trainer, a behaviorist, uh, consider having a chat to your vet as well. Um, if you've got a problem like this, particularly if it's getting worse, which is often the pattern, get a bit of help. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Um, if you've got a dog who's uh, who's feeling completely unruly and you want uh, an outsider's and, dare I say, an expert's opinion, do send me an email or even better, a voice note, talkingdogs at avalonuk.com and I could be answering your question next week. In the meantime, make sure you rate, review or subscribe to the podcast and that way you'll never miss one of my dog training sessions. Look after yourself, your loved ones and, of course, your dogs. Bye for now.